This is a podcast from Minute Media. Searching my brain, trying to figure out what team would be a good fit for an aging Aaron Rodgers that's trying to make one more run at it. I, I don't see a great one. Championship weekend is here, and nobody appreciates it more than big man bets with seven-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer to beat, damn it, Nick Bangold, and the Hall of Famer, greatest show on turf, riding his Rams. Look at that smile, <laughs> Orlando Pace. Congratulations, buddy. Guys, yeah, it, it, oh, no, it, was, it was a great win. I, I just so happened to be at that game this past weekend in Tampa. And I, I got to admit, I was getting a little nervous there. I, you know, things just start happening, fumbles, turnovers. Uh, and you start thinking that the, the ghost of Tom Brady or the Tom Brady curse was going to arrive and beat the Rams. But uh, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, they pulled it out in the last 30 seconds. So uh, a little nervous, but a fun atmosphere to be a part of it. And really excited that the Rams are going to the NFC Championship game. A little nervous. Nick, you, you you knew Tampa was winning that game. Everybody knew Tampa was winning that game at, after they were counted I mean, out. The shades of uh, the Falcons, what was that, 23? Like, that just, you, you saw it coming, and, like, you, you just can't stop that ball from, you know, rolling down the hill. Um, but then, you know, Matthew Stafford, who has been, you know, you, I know Orlando was riding him strong early on. And then he was kind of wishy-washy towards the middle. I assume he's now next. I assume, you know, the next game he goes to, he's going to have the Stafford jersey on, uh, full support, uh, ready to go. Worst call, the, the zero blitz letting Cooper Cup run straight down the middle or the Bills kicking off with 13 seconds to go and that squib kicking? Whew. Wow. I, I think it's the zero blitz. I think – you have to know in that situation, you really have to know where Cooper Cup is. I mean, he's been killing you the entire game. And for to, for you to put him on a, on a safety, uh, you know, obviously, and some guys didn't blitz, uh, according to Arian. So, but I think that was the worst play. You can't go a zero blitz with, with, with that amount of time left on the clock and not identify Cooper Cup as a, as a threat on that play. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one because I feel like if you would have told me, you know, you're 13 seconds, be like, yeah, they're not going to be able to, to make those chunk plays to get there. So it doesn't really matter. I'd rather keep them as far away as possible um, and have them really work for it. Uh, whereas you know, on the defensive side, you're looking at, you know, you know where the ball is going. You know it's going to Cooper Cup. Like, even if you do want to blitz, have two guys on, you know, just <laughs> make sure you you got him blanketed. Um, and so I, I was shocked by that, um, you know, it, but I, that has to be the bigger blunder than the, the deep kickoff because, I mean, 13 seconds, that, that's no time. Like, I don't understand it. That performance by both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen was just, I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that. That was absolutely positively an insane last call it two minutes of the game. Are these two going to be the next Brady slash Manning rivalry? Do you think this is built to last Mahomes and Allen? What do you, what do you think here, Nick? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, it, it seems like the two teams are, are being set up um, to, to build around these quarterbacks um, and, and that they've really come into their own. Um, you know, I think obviously it took Josh a little bit longer than Patrick, but 
in the end, um, as you're seeing this, what's going to be interesting is as the Chiefs continue to go on and they have to start replacing some of these playmakers. You know, you lose Kelsey, you lose Terry Kill. You know, what's Patrick going to be able to do? Same with Josh Allen and his playmakers. You know, that was one of the big things we saw with Peyton and Brady was that, you know, they would lose guys. Guys would come and go, and they would still be playing at a high level. Uh, will we see that from these two quarterbacks? And I think that's going to be the test. It doesn't become that rivalry if they're able to, to keep up with it. And the other side of that, too, is there's so many, so many great young quarterbacks in the AFC you know, it, is it just going to be a two-man race? Or is there, you know, Justin Herbert's going to be in, in that talk soon. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of guys that, that could be considered. Um, and so I, I feel like we're coming almost into not a golden age, but, you know, a really exciting time for young quarterbacks coming into this AFC. Yeah, I think you can go a couple ways if you're looking for that that Brady-Manny matchup. Joe Burrows, what he's doing in Cincinnati is phenomenal. Justin Herbert, what he's doing – you know, obviously, if Cincinnati comes out and beats, uh, you know, KC this, this upcoming week, you know, are you talking Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes at that point? So there's a lot, to Nick's point, there's a lot of great talent in terms of quarterback in the AFC alone. So I think it'll give, give a couple more years to develop. I think these right now, Buffalo and KC has really good team. Buffalo has a really good defense that helps Josh Allen out a little bit. But I just want to see it all. I just don't want to see these two guys dueling back and forth. I want to see what 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 the other quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in that in that conference has to say, because I think it's going to be a fun, uh, you know, NFL to watch in terms of quarterbacks over the next three or four years. Raise your hand if you would take Allen over Mahomes. I'm assuming I'm not going to get a, a hand raise here or will I? I want to. I'm not going to, but I, I, I want to. But, uh, I, think I, just, the, I, think the, I think the verdict's still out. I think the one thing that I learned about Josh Allen over um, over this last week is normally he in those crunch time situations, he would do something crazy. And I think he's starting to mature, and he's not making those mistakes that he would normally make. So I would give him another year. His arm talent is ridiculous in terms of his strength. Uh, but i love to see him, you know, obviously command the offense a little bit more the way Patrick Mahomes does. I just love his size, Nick. I mean, that guy can dish out punishment. If he gets in trouble, all of a sudden he's now getting away from trouble, and then he's turning up field, and he's running dudes over. That is a rare skill set right there, outside of the fact that he's throwing 40-yard dimes. Yeah, I mean, it is. he's got that dual threat, but he's massive, um, which helps. And so – that's why I'm teetering on the Josh Allen side. I almost, I was kind of like Hadsies where I don't want the teacher to call on me, but I, I'm still, <laughs> it'll be known that I tried to raise my hand. Um, because I, in what I'm, the thing I need to see, like we saw it at the beginning of this year when Casey's defense wasn't going well, Patrick Holmes wasn't playing well. He was trying to do too much to cover. So I want to see, you know, what happens if Buffalo's defense isn't playing well, um, for multiple games where, all right, is Josh Allen going to try to do too much or is he going to stay within his confines, continue to play the game, and it's just going to be shootouts? So I think that's an interesting side to it. Um, but, you know, when when you're able to see Josh Allen do what he does, the thing that does concern me, even though he is bigger um, and can kind of take some of these hits, any quarterback that's, you know, has that run option, I, you know, that's just more injury risk. And I, I don't like that. I know Patrick Holmes – he, he has that run option, but I feel he's just, he's more elusive. So, you know, I think he understands that. And so it, 
it's tough. I mean, I, I think a, any team would be happy to take either one of them. So in Orlando, you kind of just touched on this. If Drew Brees, let's call him the third wheel in the Brady Manning class, and that's a hell of a third wheel, by the way. I mean, first battle Hall of Famer. Uh, who do you think is third here if we're putting Mahomes and Allen at the top? Lamar, Burrow, Murray, Herbert. I mean, the list is long here. We don't, we can, you know, we can venture outside the AFC too. You know, for me, I don't even know if I'm putting uh, Josh Allen number two. I like Joe, I like Joe Burrow personally, just what he's been able to accomplish with the talent that he's been able to do it with. And he's, you know, that game against Tennessee, he's, he's cool in the pocket. He, he gets sacked nine times. He's, I mean, he's a tough kid. And just he just resilient is all out. So I like I like what he's what he's shown me over the past couple of years and the growth and his maturity in the next couple of years is going to be spectacular. As soon as you put some some linemen that actually can block for him, give him more time in the pocket. I think he's going to be, you know, obviously right up there with those with those other two guys. Yeah, um, the Drew Brees, uh, it, it's tough because, I mean, you have so many that have such great potential. Uh, you know, the one um, I have probably two that I would that stick out to me. Lamar Jackson being one of them. I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. He's going to continue to do very well. Um, I see him winning a Super Bowl. You know, will he be that you know dominant force that has the rivalry? I don't know. And I would put the same. You know, going outside the AFC, I'd put the same uh, Kyler Murray. You know, I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to put up numbers. I think he will win a Super Bowl. Um, but I don't think he's going to be the the wow, look at this guy that, you know, Patrick Holmes was, Tom Brady's, the the Peyton Manning's, uh, what I think Josh Allen's going to be. So I think of, of the two in the AFC and NFC, I would put those two guys as my Drew Brees. I want to come back to the quarterback in a second here, which is uh, the conversation that's getting more and more interesting by the moment. But Let's just tackle overtime because that game was incredible. I was all for Josh Allen deserves another chance here, but let's just go macro and forget that one game. The NFL's got an overtime problem. I think we would all agree here. Uh, or, or Orlando, what, what, what do you what? How do you solve what the NFL is doing with OT right now? You know what? I'm not as disappointed because uh, obviously you know, um, and as a defense, it's your job to stop them, right? Uh, I think if you're, it depends on what, what side of the coin that you, 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 you know, if you're a Buffalo fan, you're thinking, Hey man, we want to want our quarterback to have a chance, but everybody's professional on that field defense, you know, um, defense, you know, has to go down and stop them or at least, you know, get three or something. So, and they weren't able to do that. That's just, that's part of how, you know, it, it kind of shakes out. So I'm not mad at it as much. I think people, I think the only difficult part is, is decided by a coin toss. Uh, which makes it difficult. But obviously Buffalo had a chance to go down and stop KC and they did. Yeah, I, this is where I get torn because uh, I see both sides. I, I understand Orlando's point on the rules. It is what it is. You know, that's just, that's how it is. Um, and the defense does need to go out there and make a stop. I mean, you can, that argument could be made all the time um, where, you know, if, if they had made a stop, and then Buffalo scores a touchdown and, you know, game's over. Like, well, at least everyone had a chance. Um, but, the, you know, their defense did that. They made it happen. So I think it, it emphasizes the team nature of football. Um, but as a now looking at it as a fan and what I'd like to see, because, you know, just as we get into playoffs and we talk about those things, 
I think the the NFL should just go to a straight 15-minute overtime quarter. Play it out and see, you know, do we get to a, an eventual winner? Um, and if it doesn't, you know, regular season, we have ties as it is. You know, we ended a tie. When we get to the playoffs, what, you know, people always talk about going to the college system of the shootout, but I think NFL kickers are so good, you can't start at the 25 to 30. Um, you know, I'd put a team, you get it, you start at the 50 and, you know, you, that's where you start and you go from there. You're in a 40 ish range. So that way it's, it's a long kick if you, if you get the opportunity. Um, I, I think that would be a, a fun way that kind of negates the idea like, oh, well, they didn't get a chance. Like, you know, Josh Allen didn't get to go back out there. Um, and then, you know, especially for overbetters, if you get into that shooter shootout, <laughs> like, I think it would be a lot of fun. Which one did you like more though, Orlando? The, the, the Nick Mangold start at the 50 yard, you both get it, or let's play the full 15. You know what? Playing the full 15 is tough uh, to get guys to sign up for that uh, would be tough because then it could also result in a tie. And then you have to play another full 15 or, or you know, so I kind of like the college rule, just move it back a little bit, 40 yard, 50 yarder. And then, you know, each team gets a chance to score or kick a field goal. So I do kind of like that college atmosphere and then teams have to go for two. All that is great um, just to decide the winner in the, in the playoffs, but I'm sure They'll be talking about this, uh, you know, obviously in the next off-season off meetings with the, with the, you know, rules and regulations committee or whatever it might be, just to see if there's better ways to, to do the overtime thing. But every year there's always a team that's disappointed in how the overtime rules are. I mean, I think we just got a sale here. You're in on Mangold's 50-yard <laughs> line, and you're ready to punt on the, the BS that is overtime right now. And we're all sitting there. I mean, the bills were, the bills might've been, uh, should the, should onside kicked. You're not stopping yeah. them. It's, it's over. As a fan of the game, man, I love that. I love watching that game. And I wouldn't have been mad about another 15 minutes of watching that game and just watching these two quarterbacks and these offenses duel it out uh, to the end. So it, it was really a fun game to watch as a fan. I'd also like to throw in there that to win it on the first possession, I think you should have to go for two. Nick, you with you with me on that one? That's not that's a little bit better than what we have right now, I would think. Yeah, I mean, but there's so many coaches already going for two, you know, in the way that they go on a fourth down and everything. That might become a little bit more obsolete. But I mean, it, it's tough because you you want to say the defense has a job to do. They should have done their job and, and stopped them. So I I don't know. Like it's 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 a tough road to navigate. All right. Okay. So let's look at this Super Bowl, guys. Down to four. Burrow, Stafford, Mahomes, and Jimmy. I have no idea how I'm still alive, Garoppolo, but here he is. For legacy, let's let's look ahead. Whose legacy will be most impacted by winning the Super Bowl this year of, of those four fine gentlemen? Uh, for me, it's easy. I think it's uh, Matthew Stafford. I think a guy who... who uh, who hadn't done much in Detroit for a number of years, couldn't win the big game, has never gone this deep in the playoffs and even had a chance for a, uh, for a Super Bowl. You get rid of Jared Goff for three first-round picks, the pressure's on in L.A. Uh, to make a big difference. So I think he's the guy with the most pressure in terms of his legacy of getting over the hump and actually becoming a winner. 
and not just be known for losing all those years in, in Detroit. That's a good choice. I like that reasoning. Um, ooh, now I kind of want to switch my choice, uh, but I'm going to stick with mine. I think um, Patrick Mahomes on this one, I, I think he gets that second Super Bowl. I mean, that legacy is defined. Like then anything after, after this is just, you know, just extra frosting on top of the cake. Like it's, you get, you get two Super Bowls. You're already, you're now in the upper echelon of quarterbacks um, and you can just, you can continue on. So I think, if he's able to knock that out so early in his career, get those two Super Bowls so early in the career uh, would be huge for his legacy. When you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, who should have been picked off about seven times last week, <laughs> it, would would he be, in your mind, the worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl if the 49ers can, can get this done? That might be a little bit unfair, but maybe it's spot on. Let's let's what, what uh, who wants this one? Nick, go ahead. Um, yes, I would say yes and no. Now I'm, I'm going to say no. Cause I mean, you always have the Trent Dilfer of 2000 right. Baltimore's like that is, that's your gold standard of, you know, your defense has absolutely just won you a, a championship. Um, the other one I look at, which I, I find interesting, um, is the Peyton's last year, Manning's, you know, he got injured. He was out for you know, what, six or seven games. I think something like that. Um, and for, you know, he wins the Super Bowl, he gets credit for winning the Super Bowl and, and he did, you know, what he needed to do in the playoffs, but statistically that season was not great. And, you know, so when you're talking just straight stats and like, I don't, I can't say that he's the worst when you're looking overall picture, like we know Peyton was a fantastic, unbelievable hall of fame quarterback. Um, he just had a bad year and defense helped him get there. So I don't, I can't say that Jimmy G is the worst quarterback, um, but the optics of it just don't look great. You know what, Nick? It's funny. My first thought was Trent Dilfer. And do you think he, that Jimmy G is better than Trent Dilfer in terms of that? And I think he does. I think he's better in a sense because I think Shanahan does a much better job of calling plays that doesn't put Jimmy G in trouble. I think he does a phenomenal job with that putting. Uh, the 49ers in, in, in offensive sets where it doesn't force Jimmy G to, to actually go out and win the game for you. Just manage it, get the ball to Debo Sanders and, be, and play physical football. So I don't think he's the worst guy. I still think there's a couple of guys out there uh, and, and those guys you mentioned, although Payton's an all-time great, he didn't do much when Denver won that Super Bowl. Uh, but Trent Duffer had to be, is the number one guy, I think, in terms of probably the worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl, um, you know, in this era. The Peyton Manning call is phenomenal. It, I mean, that is he, that season he threw nine touchdown passes, had 17 interceptions. Wow. He, he started in nine games, played in 10. Of course, the Broncos were seven and two when he was out there. His completion percentage was an incredibly unmanning, like 59.8. I mean, he sucked. He was, ter- he was terrible, um, but he did enough to win. God, bl- I'm not trying. You can't take, I'm not taking anything for Peyton, but I, I think that's a, I, I love that call. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah. Great call. Yeah, and I, and listen again, nothing against Peyton. I love Peyton. Uh, I think he's one of the best people in the NFL. Um, but when, when you look statistically at seasons and I know he had that six games where, he, you know, he was out, but I mean, Jimmy G has had uh, his issues with injuries and everything. 
especially with the looming, like, I think they've already decided that he's going to be gone after this year, which is, you know, crazy that he's playing, you know, still going strong and they're getting where he is. So it's, I, it, it's crazy to think like all of this is going on and they're still one game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right, hey, let's look at the non quarterbacks and we're looking for the best offensive weapon in the playoffs that is not playing the QB position. And we are, I mean, we're seeing some huge plays. So this is a tough, tough call. Debo Samuel was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, Cooper cup was uh, uh, be honest, uh, Jamar Chase with an enormous catch for the Bengals. Tyreek Hill, his play to the end zone. Travis Kelsey. Uh, we're even sle- sneaking Odell in here because Odell's making plays, and the, the one play on the on the uh, on the boundary was was a sweet play too. But or- Orlando, your number one offensive performer that's not playing QB. Wow, I, I know this is going to sound like a homer, uh, but Cooper Cup. <laughs> Go figure. Hey, as you know, I'm all over the Rams right now, man. Just so you know. Uh, Because Cooper Cup, obviously, to have the game that he had, you see so many number one receivers in the league that uh, are double team and people know you're going to get the ball. And for him to still come out and have those numbers is pretty much phenomenal. When guys, you know, when guys are arguing about getting the ball because they're double covered, this guy just finds a way to get open and make plays, uh, some, some pretty big impact, impact plays uh, for the team. So, you know, to have over the yardage he had against Tampa Bay in the playoff game is, 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 is unreal for a receiver where everybody knows, that defense knows you're going to still get the ball. Yeah, I was going to go Cup just um, because of what he's done, but I couldn't stroke Orlando's ego anymore <laughs> and having to agree with him with the Rams. Um, so I'm going with uh, Kelsey. You know, you just get the ball near him, he's going to make that catch. And he's able to – his yards after the catch, he's able to do stuff blocking. Um, I think all-around weapon, he, he just – he makes things happen for the Chiefs, and I think that's huge. Um, and so, for, for me, I think, you know, he's kind of Patrick Mahomes' security blanket. Like, he has, he always knows, that, well, if all those fellas, I, I can find Kelsey. Um, and so, I think that's that's a huge bonus. Uh, when you're talking about offensive weapons in these playoffs, but but I'll tell you one thing, Debo Samuel's what what is he what, what he's doing for the 49ers? Unbelievable! They line the guy up in the backfield, receiver, give him the ball. Everybody knows he's getting the ball, and nobody wants to see this guy in the third and fourth quarter because he's really carrying the ball like a running back uh, from the wide receiver position, and they know how to use him in the right the right uh, right way. I mean, biggest play of the game in the backfield. Go pick up. 10 yards so we can kick a field goal and win it. I mean, Devontae is great, but I, I thought that Debo was, was the, was the MVP um, outside of special teams and everything else that happened in that Packer loss, which by the way, we haven't talked about Aaron Rodgers yet. We'll get to him in a second, but let's, uh, let's stick with teams still alive and let's look at the coaches must win scenario. You got to have it. We got Andy Reed. We got Zach Taylor. We got Kyle Shanahan. We got Sean McVay. From a coaching standpoint, who, who's your number one draft pick? Nick, I see you nodding your head here. Why don't you jump in? Uh, it's tough. I, I don't know. Like, you know, Andy Reid, the recency bias of how well they've done and everything is fantastic. So I feel like that would be your obvious choice. Um, but you go back to, like, those Philly teams when they really needed that win and they get it, didn't get it done, you know, that kind of weighs on you. Um, but the one that I, I'm leaning towards is going to go Sean McVay. I think, you know, he's just – he's had winners. He, he keeps winning. He's very innovative. 
It gives teams play for him. Um, and so I think if it's a must-win scenario, I, I, I got to have it. I, I think I'm sticking with Sean McVay. Yep, great, great call there. For me, I'm going Andy Reid and what he's been able to do. I know Nick, I know Nick thought I was going McVay too. I'm going Andy <laughs> Reid uh, just for his experience, man. I think he's he's been so close so many times. Uh, won a Super Bowl a couple years ago with KC, but what he's doing offensively, uh, just the, their play calling. I don't know if you guys noticed in the red zone what they're what what kind of plays are. There's like this video game plays that they're calling down there and they're executing. Uh, seems like they're having a ton of fun. Um, you know, when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and a coach like Andy Reid, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I, I, I'm going to stick with Andy Reid on this one. Personality-wise, who would you rather play for between those two? You got sort of laid-back, chill, jolly, fun Andy Reid and or up at 4 a.m. on the Nordic track, on the on the elliptical <laughs> Eating uh, reduced fat, whatever. Sean McVay, <laughs> who's your who's your guy? I'm gonna go. I'm a lineman, man. So I'm gonna go with Andy Reid, man. <laughs> I, you know, obviously he understands the plight of the big man. So he he talks about burgers and all kinds of foods and his presser afterwards. And I think he just has a, a ultimate love for big guys. And and uh, I would I would probably choose Andy Reid in that situation too. Yeah, that's an easy one. It's Andy Reid. I mean, that's that's a given. Like, you, you know, his his time in Philly, like there wasn't a cheesesteak left unturned, um, and so I, I can support that. Um, and so I, Andy Reid's he's got to be the guy. Let's put someone on blast here of the four that we named. It's obviously not going to be Reid and or McVay, but we're down to Zach Taylor and Kyle Shanahan. Who's your? Who are you most in peril with right now this this weekend? Orlando, why don't you go first here? feel free. You know what, uh, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, what he's done with that offense, man, has been phenomenal. His play calling. Uh, but you know, obviously Zach Taylor, right. With Cincinnati, he's, he's in a situation where if you ask him honestly at the end of, at the beginning of the year, if there was any shot that he'll be in the AFC championship game with his current stock, uh, squad, he'll be like, nah, no way. And I don't know how many people gave him a shot last week against a Tennessee Titan team, but he's a guy that, he may be a little bit over his head. I know he has a talented team, but going to Kansas City, trying to face that Chiefs team this weekend will be a tough, tall task for him. Uh, but, you know, obviously what he's done this year has been phenomenal. So uh, hats off to him. Yeah, I, I think I got to agree with Orlando on this one. And I, I, am, I will put my hand up and admit that I'm very ignorant on his coaching um, journey and, and where he's been and everything. But, you know, I feel like as it, the – experience of being in this situation um is something that i feel like is a whole a whole kind of new element to nfl coaching and so i i don't know if he has that there um and he's got such a young team to, to build up um it'll be interesting to see how it goes um i will say some of us did call uh, the Bengals winning um but you know it, it's still it, it's good like orlando said going to kc um, this weekend is going to be tough. For the record, our guy Taylor, most of it was with Miami. He was an OC there, and but last year he was a quarterbacks coach with the Rams. So, and or in, Sean, in, in, Sean in, in Bay Tree, tw right? Twenty eighteen, uh, make, make it his way. I, there's I, when I look at the body language, I, I when I see Zach Taylor, he doesn't he doesn't just completely ooze confidence to me. But maybe that's totally unfair. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on being in the final four. That's an incredible accomplishment. All right. 
I want to know from your guys' standpoint, when you get this deep in the playoffs, uh, what's going on in the locker room as far as wrinkles being put in? Like how everybody has seen everything to this point. How do you scheme up a championship weekend, staying with your strengths, but also perhaps giving yourself that one wrinkle that could be key at some point in the game to get you all the way to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think for me, it's the, the toughest game to watch, uh, you know, obviously, because it's a divisional opponent is the Rams and, and 49ers. They know each other so well. So when you walk into a game like that, where you played them twice and every year you play them twice a year, everybody knows everybody's personnel, right? You try to add a little wrinkle, maybe something that you haven't put in against them or something that, you know, you've seen another team have success against. But at the end of the day, you still know each other, you're familiar with each other. So you know their players, what they're capable of, what they're gonna do. So you just try to play, really play close attention to detail and try to go out and 40, you know, the 49ers are a really physical team, uh, not to harp on that game, but just knowing your opponent as much as you can. And then obviously still staying within yourself as a coaching staff and still do what you do best, right? Just execute with, with, with greater attention to detail. And maybe a couple trick plays or, or something like that you may want to throw in red zone type things that, that you know, that opposing team hadn't seen yet. So, but, I, you know, I, I think the most important part is stay true to yourself, being able to run the ball, throwing the ball when you have to, uh, and playing good defense. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I were doing it and, and you know, you, you obviously have what you do. Like you've gotten to this point by doing what you do best. Um, and so you, you need to stick with that. But I think especially, you know, talking about the 49ers and Rams, um, knowing each other so well, you know, if you know what you do best, you should be able to come up with something that can complement that, that kind of resembles what you do best, but then gives them a completely different look and or, or do what you do best out of a completely different look. Just kind of throw them off guard a little bit. And so I think that's, that's kind of where that chess match comes into play. Um, you know, probably more so than the the Bengals and, and, and the Chiefs, um, because while they did play in the regular season, you know, it's, it's not the same thing as, as being, um, you know, in that same uh, conference or division. So you have a couple of wrinkles. You probably have put something in, in training camp and you sprinkle it in like every three weeks. You know, you, you just hey, let's run this again um, for a trick play type thing. But I think it's it's really mainly sticking with what you do best, what got you here, um, and just go out and do it and execute it perfectly. Hey, hey, Nick, who do you think has the advantage when you look at both of these teams? They both played each other late in the season. Um, you know, obviously Cincinnati beat KC, 49ers. Who, comes, who do you think comes into this game with the greater advantage? Is it the team that lost because they feel like, you know, or is it the team that won where they feel like, hey, man, we just beat these guys a couple of weeks ago? Have you ever been, I mean, you know, who do you think has the greater advantage in the, in, the, in the game in terms of mindset when it comes to that? Mindset is tricky because I um, I had a similar situation in 2009. We played the Cincinnati Bengals as the last game of the regular season, and it was a win and get in. And we smoked them 35 uh, nothing, I think. Something, you know, it was, it was just a slacking. And then we had to go on the road wildcard weekend and play the bill, play the Cincinnati again. Um, and so it was back to back weeks we were playing. Them. Um, and I remember thinking like, well, you know, as you're going into this, you know, are they going to be more fired up because they lost? Uh, are we going to be complacent because we did beat them by so much? 
Like where, where is that mindset? And I think the big thing that we were telling, you know, as a team was, um, you know, that we can't rest on what we did. Like, it, it, you know, playoffs are something new. Uh, we had, you know, great success against them, but let's, let's not pretend like they were playing their hearts out because they knew they were already going to the playoffs. Um, and so it's still going to be fighting. And so uh, I think we ended up beating Cincinnati in the playoff game. It was like 17 to 14. So it was, it was a much tighter game and everything. Um, but when you're that close, like we had, we literally had just played him the week before. It was like, all right, I know um, Pico and I, I know what he tried to do to me. And, and, and you know, is he going to try to do the same thing? Is he going to try to switch it up? Like it was very, it was kind of surreal having it so close and having, you know, the outcome means so much uh, when you, you just played. Them. Yeah. Yep. I agree. The stakes are different. And sometimes you can psych yourself either out or what, depending on, cause you, you know, based on how the game went before. So I always thought that was interesting to talk about. Cause I think we've all been in that situation and when the stakes are higher, it changes. The same team you played a week ago can, can, can be really completely different. So uh, I always wanted to get another player's take on that. Very cool. Love it. Uh, let's wrap up here before we make our picks. And by the way, you're both red hot. This has been a very impressive uh, performance. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, we do have to talk a little Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. What's going to happen going forward? No one saw the Packers going out like this, not just losing, but, uh, you know, Aaron had a bad game. Do we think that Aaron comes back? Do we think he comes back to Green Bay? He was on his Pat McAfee show saying that he'll make a decision by the uh, franchise tag deadline, which is February the 22nd. Let's see here. Who, who wants this? F feel free. Jump on in. What is, what do you think Aaron's going to do? Nick, you're laughing. Go ahead. Um, I think that's the joy of it is that no one knows what Aaron's going to do. Aaron's going to do what Aaron wants to do. Um, I think he, he is looking at the green Bay situation, maybe not so much the front office, but more of the team. Like, you know, they were talking about, I think they're $44 million over in cap. And I know, you know, things can be adjusted and they can work magic with numbers and make, things just to disappear so but I don't see that as a huge deal but you know Aaron I think Aaron realizes especially with this past loss like his time is coming to an end like there's there's no if ands or buts like it's going to be so if he decides to stay with Green Bay you know are they doing a rebuild because I think he already came out and said like I'm not going to be here for a rebuild like I, I, that's out um, so if they try to clean the slate and you know wash themselves a bunch of the contracts and start over, Aaron's not going to want to be a part of it. If they're able to do cat magic and, and, and make, keep the team together, he might stick around. I think, you know, I think he really does enjoy the Packers fan base. I think he enjoys uh, that locker room. Um, so I would figure he, he would stick around if it made possible, but looking at what's outside, you know, we always talk about the grass is always greener on the other side. I try searching my brain, trying to figure out what team would be a good fit for an aging Aaron Rodgers is trying to make one more run at it. I, I don't see a great one, uh, you know, a team that would do it. Like I, I feel like Pittsburgh would be is the one that's always gets talked about, but I don't see Pittsburgh doing it. Cause I don't think they're the organization that's going to go out and rent a quarterback for one or two years, just to try to get a super bowl since they already have six as an organization. Um, you know, I, other than that, I, I just don't see, I mean, maybe Denver, like there's just, there's not a lot of places where I can say, all right, we plug a, a QB in here and we're going to win a Super Bowl. So 
I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how he comes to his, you know, where he's thinking. Because if he stays with Green Bay, you know they're not going to go rebuild, but how are they going to get the cap right? Um, if he leaves Green Bay, what's the options? Yeah. <clears throat> Initially, I thought, based on his, on his interview and everything that he was talking about, that he would stay. Then I got to thinking a little bit about, you know, obviously where he's from. He's from the Bay Area. And I started thinking about the 49ers and, and what they're, they want to, they want to, move on from Jimmy G. Obviously they have Trey Lance in the wings, but for a stopgap couple years with that defense and what they've been able to accomplish out there with Debo Samuels and that team, that almost sounds like a perfect fit. I think he, I think when you look at it and you say, Hey, you know, they have a great offensive line that plays really well. And he's from that area. I think the 49ers could make sense possibly but that, other than that, I don't see any other place where he can go where they have a defense, a good offensive line, and probably good weather at this point. He probably wants to go somewhere where there's some decent weather and not be in Green Bay. But uh, I think I think it's over. I think he may have thought that Green Bay had a, a great team this year. When anytime you get bounced out in the first round after having to buy, you know there's something there that's missing in terms of team. And I think as a player, sometimes you just want to go and have a different scene, a scenery. Uh, so I think he's probably looking at it that way. So I think he's ultimately going to leave Green Bay. It may be 49ers, maybe Pittsburgh. Who knows? From the retirement seat that you two are sitting in, would you tell him to keep going, Orlando? Hey, squeeze that lemon, get every last bit of juice out of it. You know what? He's made so much. He's he he's made so much money over the past probably 16, 17 years. I don't think money's a factor. We talked about it on the show a few times. In order to be in that upper echelon of quarterbacks, you've got to have multiple. Super Bowl ring. So he has to go somewhere where he wants to chase a Super Bowl ring so he could at least get two, possibly three before he retires. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest question is, you know, do you still have fun doing it? Um, you know, if it's if it's a struggle for him waking up in the morning, you know, having to go in and, and deal with, you know, the ins and outs of, of a Thursday in the NFL week, um, then I would say, yeah, just call it quits, man. Like you've done you've done what you can. Um, you know, you have, you don't have the Super Bowl legacy, but you have all the passing and everything. And, and everyone always agrees that you're a great quarterback. Um, but if he still has fun with it, I'd say keep playing till, you know, you, you don't have fun anymore. And uh, I think that's, that's kind of the, the luxury that he has being the amazing talent that he has, he can keep playing and someone's going to give him an opportunity, whether or not that's the best opportunity for him to win a Super Bowl. I don't know. Um, but he at least someone's going to give him an opportunity just to because it's Aaron Rodgers. Orlando, you think Tom is done? I do, man. Just based on everything that Tom has said in his last presser, we we watched him over the past twenty years, and he's he's never made such statements in the presser at the end of the year. And I know it was a disappointing loss for him, but when he started talking about wife and kids and spending more time with your kids, um, you know, obviously, I think. Uh, you know, he, he probably, he, this may be his last year. I think Orlando yeah, might be I think sucked just, in here. When you start talking <laughs> family and everything, like it, it just, it does, it, you know, I, I think it's funny. I saw an article this morning that was, uh, you know, Tampa Bay fans are pressuring uh, his wife to let him play for another year and everything. <laughs> um, I, it, it, it does get tough. And, you know, I think, especially as his kids get older, like you want to be around for the different things that are going on. Um, I know, 
I assume you, you don't want to go out. Like if he goes out after this year, it'd be like, God, I wish I would have just gone out the year before and, you know, ended with that Super Bowl and, and walked off in the sunset. So I'm sure that's hanging over him. So I think the competitor side is going to be like, well, I'd rather walk off with a Super Bowl than walk off with a loss. Um, so, you know, but in the end, I mean, the family, if family time's, you know, starting to creep in and say, hey, I want to spend more time with family, I think he's out. Needless to say, I don't think that team's going to look the same either. I think last year after coming off a of Super Bowl, people were talking, hey, I'll take a pay cut. Let's run it back, right? So players are deciding to take pay cuts, stand for lesser money. This year probably won't be the same. Obviously, there, there's cap implications or whatever it might be. But that team, you know, even down the stretch, didn't have as much talent because of, you know, injury or whatever it might be. Guys are looking to get paid from that, that championship team this year. So I don't think he'll have the same team coming back to running back. And I don't, I don't know if he would want to do that at 45. He led the NFL in touchdown passes with 43. He completed 67.5% of his passes. I'm just like, why is this even a question? <laughs> you're, you're playing one more year. You wanted to play to 45. You're there. I mean, to me, the question should be, is he going to go to 50? But uh, I, I guess I get, I guess families, uh, that's a whole nother animal that I, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. None of us do. So, but performance wise, don't, do we, do we all agree that he can still do it at least well enough? Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's make some money here for all your gambling needs. Winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T.com. Orlando, you are the playoff savant. 3-0 and last week. Nick, you were 2-1. and Orlando is now in his last three weeks, 7-2. and I mean, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Nick, you're you're right there too. Five, three, and one. Season wise, Nick, you've got it. 33, 24, and one. But Orlando now four over at 31 and 27. And with last week, that means you get to go first. Uh, you know, hey, we, we got uh, we got two games to play with here, so let let's pick them up here. Who are we taking as we uh, let let's start first. I guess we'll do uh let's do the we'll, we'll be we'll do it in order of, of games. So Bengals and Chiefs, Kansas City, a seven point favorite at home, Orlando. Oh, tough, tough, tough call here. Um, you know what? But I'm leaning towards uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think playing at home, uh, having that extra motivation of not playing well a few weeks ago in Cincinnati, they're rolling offensively, defensively. I think they have enough. And I don't think Cincinnati has the experience uh, in this situation. So I think they'll fall short. Uh, I, I got KC by 10. I know the, the spread is seven, but I think they'll win by double digits. Public is betting heavily on Kansas City. Orlando's with the public. Nick? Um, I've been riding them for the playoffs, so I got to keep going. And I wish <laughs> I wish it was uh, plus seven and a half, but I'm only getting the straight touchdown. So. I'm still going to stick with it. The Bengals plus seven. I think they keep it close. I, I am concerned about all, offensive line. Um, Joe Burrow can't be taking those sacks. Um, I know uh, Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, mentioned that um, specifically. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big emphasis for him. And, and I hope the offensive line uh, steps up because, you know, I think Cincinnati has the weapons to keep up with uh, the Chiefs. They just got to protect um, Joe Burrow as best they can. I like it. Could have a little bit of a letdown after the Chiefs uh, survive at Buffalo, maybe sleeping on the Bengals. You never know. All right, 49ers and Rams. 
Orlando, you get to sit in the background here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we have an idea which way we're going to go. Maybe you'll go. Maybe you'll go against the heart. Three and a half points here, uh, Nick. You want you you rolling with the Niners as a upset candidate? So I'm rolling with the Niners uh, plus three and a half. I think it, it, it also will be a close game. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. You know, it, it all depends on Matthew Stafford. And you know, he's been doing well so far. I feel like we're going to get the other shoe to drop this week. Or at least I have my fingers crossed. So uh, I'm taking the 49ers plus three and a half. Yeah, yeah. For me, obviously, I'm going with the Rams for a couple of reasons. It's hard. It's difficult to beat a team that you know three times uh, in a row in a season. Uh, just tough for them. I think Stafford, what he did last week against Tom Brady, uh, probably gave him the confidence and propelled him a little bit to to play with confidence this week. Um, so I, I got the the Rams plus three and a half over the 49ers. All right, let's play the numbers to wrap it up here. 54, Chiefs, Bengals, Orlando, over, under. I'm going, I'm going over on that game. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think uh, Cincinnati puts up some numbers as well. KC probably averages over 30 points at home. So I think uh, over 54 uh, easily. I'm right there with him. I'm taking the over on that. I think it's uh, it, I think it's going to be a shootout, or at least that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and so uh, you got to go over. It sounds like Nick, you're going to take the under on 46 and a half with with the Niners. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a close game. I think their defenses are going to play great, um, and I think they're going to shut them down. And, and you know, so I, I think. I think it's going to be tight. And so in that spirit, and you know, I hate taking the unders. Uh, I got to go with it, <laughs> taking the under. All right. And for, for me, for the sake of uh, just debate, I'll, I'll go over on that game. I think it'll be a little higher scoring uh, than, uh, than, you know, the, the 46 points. I think uh, both offenses will get rolling early and play tight defense the second half. So the most important offensive weapon, Cooper Cup running all over the place. <laughs> That's it, man. My man, Cooper Cup. In front, of, in front of all the 49er fans. Yeah, that's right about that. Yeah, it'll probably be 50-50 for an NFC Championship game, believe it, believe it or not. Uh, I know that St. Louis is all is all mad still, but I'm thinking, you know what, you guys want a home field advantage. Just move, let, let play the game back in your old home. Let's oh, go. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Gentlemen, we made it to Championship Weekend. We're off next week team for the diehards out there and we'll be back of course super bowl week so uh have a have a phenomenal championship weekend good luck to one and all and uh for all of us just enjoying the entertainment of the games thank you so much for last weekend that was incredible uh let's let's go for a repeat here good to see you guys thank you